Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. If y'all don't know me, my name is Elijah. I am the director of FC Students, and I would love to welcome you this morning to Family Church, where we love God passionately, and we love people personally. Just a little heads up, I'm going to be reading this morning, so just buckle up. We'll get through it together, I promise. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12, going through verse 19. And the Bible says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised when there are fiery ordeals. Whenever, they come, whenever it comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of His glory. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rest on you. None of you, however, should suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So those who suffer according to God's will should, while doing what is good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for just gathering us here this morning safely and giving us the freedom to do so, Lord. I pray that you will please be with us in this service, Lord, that you may remove me so that only you present yourself this morning. And please be with us as we hear your truths, Lord. May we apply it to our lives each and every day. Praise pray from his holy name. Amen. So I was entrusted with the topic of suffering. And to be honest, that is my absolute least favorite topic to present to somebody who's especially a new believer or a youth who's struggling in the faith and they are suffering and they need to understand why. So that's going to be my goal is we, I'm going to try to help us understand why we are to suffer in Christ. And if so, we are to rejoice in it. So why should we suffer? So that's going to bring me to my first point. It says we suffer because Christ suffered. I want us to turn our attention to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. I apologize. I've been very busy this morning. I didn't have time to run up here and implement all this. So I'm going to read and I just want y'all to listen and just take it in. Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 5 is considered prophecy because it hasn't happened yet, but it's referring to Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. I see that connection with Isaiah 53 because that really just presents itself to suffering, the sufferings of Christ. And it connects also to the beginning of chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve, because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. This is one of the main reasons why I feel we should rejoice in our sufferings, because when we look at the life of Christ, we look at a life 
full of sufferings and ridicule and persecution. Christ himself walked this earth and lived a perfect life in the midst of all his sufferings and all of those who opposed him. So we see why we should suffer also. Because if Christ himself, our Savior, could suffer for us, what is stopping us to suffer for the sake of his name? And not only that, the, when we, what we read, it says we should rejoice in it. That's a little hard concept to understand, right? We are to rejoice in suffering. I don't know about y'all. I can't stand it. I don't know anybody's ever been in a hard time and said, yes, Lord, this is it. Thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what we're called to do. Is it hard? Yes. Do we have human emotions? Absolutely. But we are called to remember the one who suffered for us and entrusting in him to give us that hope to get us the hope that he brings and the joy that he brings, which brings me to my second point, that there is joy in suffering. Now, though you might have heard this connection before, but I personally believe that happiness and joy are two separate things, but though they work together, they're two separate things. So first, we have to understand what is joy? Well, John Piper, someone who's very much smarter than me, says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. John Piper continues to say that the word feeling is also interchangeable with emotion. So that just shows us that joy is the result of the Holy Spirit showing us who Christ is in the word and in the world. And we agree that suffering sometimes can produce hopelessness. Because in my personal life, there have been many times where I've been tested in my faith personally, sometimes not even by my own hand, but by, some, by the loss of a loved one, leaving my life within, and then a few months later, their spouse died as well. So I lost both of my grandparents within a year and a half time, because also my great-grandmother died in that year and a half time, and lost so many people in this short amount of time. I'm not a very emotional man. If anybody's ever met me, I'm, the only emotion I really show all the time is a big old smile, but there are times where I'm beaten to my core. You can ask my wife. She's only seen me cry a total of one time. But in this year and a half, there was multiple where I felt hopeless. Like, then what's the point of all this? We, I keep losing everybody who meant a lot to me. I keep doing all these things that are not pleasing to the Lord. I am in a state of hopelessness. But then, I finally hit the point where I fell on my knee. said, Jesus, I am lacking this joy that I read about all the time. Please help me see you in the midst of all this. Another thing that's significant about joy, that it can be present even when happiness is not. Well, that leads us to present, like, well, then what is happiness? If we can have joy and we don't have happiness, then what is happiness? Happiness, though similar to joy, is what I would consider the reaction to something great. Joy is the result of something great. So that's whenever I go back to my, well, John Piper's definition of joy is the Holy Spirit revealing Christ in the Word and in the world. We have joy because Christ came and he died and he rose again and he filled us with his spirit. 
And we can have joy even in the midst of all these hard situations. Now, like I said, it's going to be many times where you can have joy, but there won't be that happy place. Many times we're going to be on our butts asking God why. But then we have to remember that there is joy in the Spirit, and we must fall on Him to give us that joy. So when I say the joy is the result of something great, what is that something great? Where's my Wednesday night group at? Where are they at? Because here it is. I told you you would hear it every time I'm up here. But that hope and that joy comes from God's original design being absolutely perfect. But we, as creation, had the free will to choose God, but we chose to sin and enter into a state of what I like to say is brokenness. There you go, Ms. Faith. Brokenness. I see. But that brokenness is where we rest. We try to find so many ways out of this brokenness. We try to use drugs, abuse, alcohol, anything we can do to feel that happiness again. But in that state of brokenness, we're lacking that joy. We're just seeking happiness. But God being the gracious God that he is, gave us a sense of hope and joy through the person of Jesus Christ. And since we have Jesus Christ who came, died, rose again, and ascended with a promise to return again, we can enter back into God's original design through repentance and just being the ambassadors that we are called to be for Jesus. Because God God desires to dwell with us again. We see that even in the book of Revelation. We see that in the end, we are going to dwell with the Father again. What greater joy could you have than knowing something like that? That we have a Savior who came to save us so that we can dwell with the Father once again. What greater joy could we have? My third point is that suffering reveals the glory of God. This one is kind of hard to see. Because in the midst of suffering, there are many times where we find ourselves saying, God, where are you? I just lost three of the most important people to me who are not in my immediate family. Lord, where are you in this? How do we answer? Well, I'm of the belief that God's there the whole that he has a purpose for each and every one of our lives, and he has a purpose for whenever he wants to call us back home. My granddad, before he passed away, he was the first one that I lost. He spent his whole life abusing my grandmother, verbally abusing my mom and her sisters. If you can name a drug, I guarantee you he tried it at least twice. He was an alcoholic. Smoked more than I've ever seen anybody smoke in my life. Whenever I look at his life, I see zero hope. But he finally hit his rock bottom. He was diagnosed with cancer. Did it to himself. He was finally like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm I'm finally going to start listening to you a little bit. He beat cancer. 
by the grace of God, he was able to beat cancer. But then he wasn't willing to give up what got him there. Then he got an incurable cancer after that. Where he was burdened with no hope but to fall on his face before the father who'd been walking beside him this whole time and saying, here I am. I'm sorry for how I've lived, but will you forgive me and save me? And that's why I am sure that I will meet my grandfather again in the kingdom of heaven. Because God chose to never leave him by his side, though most of his life he was running from him specifically. He knew who God was. My mom had to go with her grandparents to church. He refused to go. But I love telling his story because how it ends, it ends with that hope. Because God was with him the entire time through all of his worldliness. That's why I believe God reveals himself in suffering. Because whenever we hit rock bottom, we have two choices. We turn to the world or we turn to the word. And whenever we turn to the word, we find God revealing himself through scripture. We might not find everything that we want, but I can guarantee you, you will find everything that you need in those 66 books in the Bible. There is hope in all of these 66 books because all of them are books that point directly to the hope of Jesus Christ. Yes, even in the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Zechariah, Malachi, Malachi, I'm blanking this morning. That all points to Jesus. What he is about to do and what he did and what he promises throughout the rest of Scripture. God is revealing himself no matter what stage of life that you are in. Verses 13 through 14, chapter 4, says, Instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And that further solidifies the point. that No matter what you are going through, no matter how hopeless it feels, our God is greater than those suffering. We are called to rejoice when we are faced with suffering for the sake of Christ. This is where I think we implement our common theme of building our foundation on Christ and Christ alone. Because there is no chance that we are able to rejoice and thank God for the situation we are in, especially when that situation is absolutely awful, unless our foundation is built on because there are many times in this life where we are going to be at our absolute lowest. And unless we can say that Christ is where I'm going to start from, we are not going to be able to get where we need to be and build to where we need to be in our personal lives because without a firm foundation, we are going to crumble every time. Every single time. Though it might not seem that way because we see many wicked people in this world get to the top, according to the world. There are many people who are richer than I ever could imagine. Lord knows not to give me that kind of money. But 
end of the day, they don't have Christ. They are still missing something great. You can have all the money in the world, all the fame in the world, all of the acceptance in the world, but you are still missing something absolutely great if you don't have Christ. My fourth point, the suffering produces steadfastness. I'm going to read, once again, I wasn't able to come up here this morning, but I'm going to read Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Y'all listen. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. But God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All the scriptures I've mentioned, have a common fact. That there is joy when the Holy Spirit is on us. The Holy Spirit offers a lot. You look in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. But there are so many citations of Scripture that says the Holy Spirit is where our joy comes. I want to give us a real example of this about how suffering can truly produce steadfastness. Show of hands. Has anybody ever heard of the missionary named William, William Carey? Anybody? Yeah? There is. My sister actually graduated from that university. So, William Carey. I'm going to read this article. Y'all listen along. William Carey was trained as a shoemaker, and he became known as the father of modern missions. For his missionary work in India, this story goes that in 1787, he suggested that all Christians had a duty to share the gospel around the world, after which he was told, young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid and mine. Undeterred, however, he found the Baptist Missionary Society five years later, in 1792, preaching a message during which he said one of his most famous quotes. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. The next year he traveled to India with his family, but his struggles continued. He saw no conversions for seven years. His son Peter died of dysentery, and his wife's mental health deteriorated rapidly. This is indeed the valley of the shadow of death to me, Carrie wrote at the time. But I rejoice that I am here, notwithstanding, and God is here. But in 1800, he baptized his first, con his first convert to Christianity. And over more than 20 years, went on to translate the Bible into dozens of major Indian languages and dialects. He also founded Sarampore College to train local missionaries. The life of William Carey has been absolutely outstanding to me as I've entered seminary. I know about William Carey, but I've never really gotten into his story until kind of recently. William Carey, before he even started his mission, was already being persecuted for it because they were saying, if God wanted to save him, he will in his own time. But William Carey had an understanding. William knew that God uses simple people like us Go and share his truth. So even in the midst of that persecution, he said, no, we're going. 
And when he got there for seven years, he didn't see a single convert to the Christian faith. Son died. His wife's mental health. That's suffering for the sake of the gospel. That for seven years, he didn't And then he moved to his child. And he's seeing his wife slip away from him. But in the year 1800, he finally saw one person come to Christ. And from that point forward, his legacy was known, solidified. He is the father of modern men. Because he knew that though times were hard then, he were to remain steadfast and that God was with him. There is no greater explanation I can bring forth to y'all than to the story of William Carey that no matter what he was going through, he said, God is here. And if we look at the country of India right now, I wish I had my presentation from the other day. I actually did a study on the nation of India, but over 90, 94% of that country is lost. And there are millions of people. They are one of the top 10 countries persecution rate. A lot of countries, top 10. Actually, I believe, right around top. Because there are many tribes and nations inside of the country of India who will actually end your life for proclaiming the gospel. And if they don't end your life, they will put you away till you, your life ends. William Carey saw purpose. He said, though I am in the midst of suffering, I will remain morning in Bible study, we talked about being faithful managers of God's mission. I'm sure much of what God was doing through William Carey's life felt like a mystery. But he remained faithful, and he finally saw what he was there for. And the Bible was able to be written in over 12 different languages because of his life. Now, that's a significant story with a significant end. But we have absolutely no idea what can happen if we were to remain steadfast though we are suffering. Even if we don't see a single convert in the, our, in the entirety of our lives, we look in the, verse, in the book of 1 Corinthians, there was an order to this. I think it says that, I, that Paul planted Apollos watered in the Lord. It is only our job to be faithful in the calling that we have on our lives, and that is to go and share his word. And that does, it doesn't say whenever you feel like it. It doesn't say whenever things are going great in your life. If anything, it's on the contrary. No matter where you are in life, you have a calling on your life, and that is to go and share the word. And that does not matter where you are, where you work, Eat, where you play, where you live, it doesn't matter. We have that same calling. 
How are you going to respond in your personal life to the calling that Christ has for us? So how can the story of William Carey relate to us? Though we're not in a country like India, we face our own persecution and risk. That might not look the same as literally losing your life for your faith, but you might lose a lot because of your faith. Even if it's your dream job, because we are trying to share the gospel in a place we're not supposed to. Whether it's friends or family who might not align with our beliefs. Will it be worth it to us to lose everything for the sake of the gospel? We should be living our lives saying, here is everything, Lord. Take it and use it how you so please. Again, we don't live in the same kind of country as India. But we can still learn from people like William Carey on how we should be carrying out the mission of God. Are you willing to put your life in the hands of God to let him use you no matter what that means for you? Could you say, here I am, use Leads me to my final point. Jesus Christ is worthy of our suffering. We are not to shy away from suffering when it comes to Jesus. We are not to say, oh, I'll leave it alone. Somebody else will get it. That's not what we are called to do. We are called to go make disciples of all nations, teaching everyone all that Christ has commanded, baptizing them. Did he say only whenever you can support what you feel like you can support a family on? I can promise you, God commands something out of you. He is going to provide everything you need to do so. Even if we have to live uncomfortably, he is going to provide all that we need. That's a promise. That's not prosperity gospel. That's just the gospel. Maybe some of y'all are in the midst of a season of suffering or just unsuredness or even brokenness. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord. My question for you is, what is stopping you from accepting Jesus? your life, because he will impart the Spirit on you, give you that joy, even in the midst of hard times. What are you waiting for? If it's for, I'm waiting for enough money to support my family, then I will go risk my job. No. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. The person you're trying to share with is not guaranteed tomorrow. I hope none of us in here will ever have to experience a lost opportunity to share the gospel and possibly give somebody the life-saving May it burden us to the very core that we may take this calling seriously. If you're in the midst of that suffering, 
but don't know which way to go. In John 14, verse 6, it says, For I am, and who's that I am? That is Jesus Christ. For I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's where we start. And watch what the Lord will do in your life after. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and praise your name and learn how even in the midst of suffering, we can trust in you and rely on your joy to get us through. Because God, we see all throughout scripture you saying that you are with us always. Not only in the midst of the good, but also in the midst of the bad, you are there with us, holding our hand through it all. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And I pray that you will please burden any heart in here to rely on you, no matter if it is somebody who is lost or somebody who is just suffering and looking for a way out. Because, Jesus, you are the way. Even if we aren't going to be happy, we are to remain faithful to you. May we remember that calling each and every day in our lives. No matter if that means we are losing those who we love, losing that which is important. There should be nothing more important than you. Be with us as we respond to your word. May we be unashamed of your gospel enough to go and bring it out to all those. Whether we know they need to or not, may you give us your eternity that we can know I need to share your truth. May we take that calling be your ambassador. Love you. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Praise your holy name. Amen.